Well, how are you guys doing this morning, church? Good. It's good to see each of you here. And once again, if you're our guest, maybe you snuck in a few minutes late, we want to welcome you. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're so glad that you're joining with us. We're in the middle of this series of conversations called Life Proof. And over the past few weeks and even into the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how do we guard key areas of our life? How do we protect those areas from the enemy trying to come in and destroy us or different things creeping in, the lies that we can believe um, around these different key areas? And so we've been focusing in on this conversation and I'm excited for the message this morning. You know, I have been married 20 years. Sarah and I, we just celebrated 20 years together. It's pretty awesome. And I know this, that I need the message this morning just as much as I needed it 20 years ago. I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I'm still trying to figure this thing out of being married um, to someone and the gift that Sarah is to my life and how God makes all of this work together. And so this is going to be a great message. And I know even as I introduce this idea of marriage, um, there's probably a lot of thoughts in the room. And so we've been encouraging you with different resources. And so we have another one that we want to give you this morning. And um, it's this, it's called Love Talk. It's a great devotional for married couples to read a short passage of scripture and talk about an idea every single day. And so this is a great one um, to grab hold of. And we have a few that we want to give away this morning. And so this is how we're going to do this. If you're a married couple who has an anniversary in August, September, October, go ahead and stand up. August, September, and October. It's a lot more than I thought there was going to be, okay? How many, do we, how many do we have? Okay, so we're going to have to rule this out. August has already passed. So if you had August, go ahead and sit back down. Yep, there. And I think we've got four now? Nope, three. I can't count. Okay, so Caleb, give one more out to someone over here who was standing, okay? So we'll give them out. Give them a hand real quick. And so this is a great resource. We want to encourage you in this. And as we get ready to, to jump into this conversation, I want to say this. As we talk about this today, I realize that there are those of you in this room who may already start to zone out. Okay, you're in middle school, you're in high school, or maybe even in college. But marriage seems like it's so far out there in the distance I'm just trying to get a guy or a girl to notice me, okay? So maybe that's what you're thinking in this room, but I promise God wants to speak something to you this morning about possibly your future about marriage. I realize that there are those of you in this room as well who you've been married before, but maybe that marriage wasn't a great solid marriage. Maybe it wasn't Christ-centered. It may have ended in divorce. And so there may be that tendency where you're thinking, ah, marriage, I don't really need this. I'm kind of past that, like that, that time has already passed, but I promise you, God wants to say something to you this morning. And it doesn't matter if you're married and you have a great marriage, or maybe you're upset with the person that you're married to, maybe you're in a rocky season of that marriage, or whether you're single at this point in your life, you're here for a reason. You didn't come here by accident this morning, okay? You didn't come here because it was just something to do on a Sunday morning. God wanted you here. And so there's something he wants to say to you this morning. There's something he wants to speak into your life. And so I want to challenge you with this. As Sarah and I, we, we read the Bible together. We've been reading through the book of Acts. I'm reminded of the church as they would gather in a setting like this. And they would take God's word and they would hear it. And they would not only apply it to their life, but they would take it and share it throughout the week. 
conversations in their workplace, conversations at their school. They were sharing with others what it was that God was speaking to them. And so if you're here this morning and saying, but Pastor Aaron, I'm not married, maybe what God wants to say to you this morning isn't only for you, it's for someone else. It's to share God's word with someone else. You may have a conversation this week about someone that's struggling in their relationship. And so don't zone out, okay? Don't kind of just phase out this morning. Don't check on the Cowboys game, okay, or any other football game. It's going to be fine. Like, just focus in because I know God wants to say something to you this morning. And as we approach this subject, I didn't want to be the only one that talked. And so I've asked a couple of couples and my wife to come out. So if you would give them a hand as they make their way out this morning, they're going to join us on the stage for this conversation. And I am so excited you guys are here. You did such an amazing job. First service of just sharing from your life and experiences. So I know each one of you, but everyone in the audience may not. And so if you could just start, take a moment, just share a little bit about yourself, how long you've been married, kind of the season of life you're in. Hello, everyone. My name is Glenn Bradley. This is my wife, Lakeitha Bradley. We've been married for 21 years. We have... Yeah. We have two daughters, a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. She'll be 13 in November. Um, or you say we've been married 21 years. So, yeah, we actually have a lot of stories. I'm sure they will probably just amuse, amuse you. And um, Oh, yeah, so we just recently reconnected with NCC uh, within the last couple months. Um, and yes. we're super excited. Our kids love it. We love it here. Awesome. Christine Souther, this is my husband, Justin. We've been married for six years, and uh, we've been coming to NCC for about two years. We have two daughters. Uh, one is Eliza. She's three. She, if you've ever peeked in the Explorer's room, she's the one who's always twirling. Um, <laughs> and then we have a, a, an 11-month-old, Aria. Yep, and my name is Sarah, and I am married to the guy over there, the Afro. <laughs> and um, we have eight kiddos, six still at home. Every other year, we're sending one out, so keep me in your yeah. prayers. <laughs> the hardest stage of motherhood for me. And we've been here at NCC for almost five years now. Yeah. So we know this, every relationship and marriage itself, it's full of surprises, it's full of unexpected moments. And so maybe just start by sharing, what was that first surprise or kind of aha moment in your guys' relationship? <laughs> My aha moment was when I found out that this guy was a great cook. For the first 10 years of our marriage, he pretended to be totally helpless in the kitchen. He couldn't find <laughs> anything. He didn't know where to put anything. If I sent him to the grocery store to buy something, he would call me four times asking questions and then come back with the wrong item. But over the years, I would notice him tinkering in the kitchen. He was like, you want me to do something with this shrimp? I'm like, sure. And he would make Cajun shrimp or fried rice or lamb chops. I mean, the perfect spaghetti sauce. I'm like, wait a minute you can cook. So I called his mother and I was like, did you know that Glenn could cook? And she was like, well, yeah, he's the oldest of six and we're from New Orleans. He can cook. So my aha moment was when I realized that I was hustled for the first 10 years <laughs> of our marriage. But the great thing is that after all these years, I'm still learning more interesting facts about my husband. So it's pretty fun. 
Um, for me, it was kind of a uh, aha realization moment. Um, so we were both lucky enough to grow up in Christian homes, and we felt like our parents uh, somewhat properly uh, prepped us for marriage. And, and we had dated for a little over five years when we got married. So, you know, we thought we had the beginning of it figured out. Um, but the aha was uh, the realization of the amount of responsibility we had for each other and to each other. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fact that I couldn't, you know, run away from her to another house or, <laughs> you know, just there is no more separation of anything. Um, so, you know, it's kind of scary in the beginning, but then it, at that same time, you have to realize, well, you're not just responsible for everything. You have this other person that you can be completely open with and share yeah. everything with and depend on that person. And that moment, it just kind of made it that big, scary thing of just a lot easier. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, well, if you know my husband well, you know he, he's a little sneaky. He, he, he's got a lot of surprises up his sleeve. So if you stick around long enough, you'll hear him tell a crazy story about growing up in a bus. And you're like, is that for real? And then he'll tell another crazy story that ups that one. So we'd only been married a couple months. And um, I'm from the north. And um, in the north, we don't have bugs like you guys have down here. When they say everything's bigger in Texas, they're for real. And they mean everything everything including the insects so we had our first little bitty apartment and I went into the bathroom and there was I think they call them water bugs and they fly at you and they're like that big flying around in there and I'm screaming and I slam the door and I'm like go in and kill that thing and he's like I'm not killing that thing I'm like this is part of why I married you so I didn't have to kill bugs anymore and he's like yeah I'm not doing that my husband doesn't kill stuff he doesn't kill mice he doesn't kill bugs so that was a rude awakening for me and yes I did go in and squish that sucker myself that's why we had kids now I just send them in there okay you guys get one of the kids let them go in there he calls it delegation delegation so that's good well Next question is, what tip can you share? Like, what's something practical that you've learned along the way that really helps you guys as a couple to keep your relationship strong? Mind if I... Okay. <laughs> so, I guess a tip that I would probably give anyone new or even old, um, to em embrace the other person's individuality. You know, let yeah. them be them. Please be you and don't be afraid to be, you know, don't be afraid to be you, you know, be, be vulnerable. I mean, if you have to and let them see that you're that person so that you're not going into this, you know, expectation and this fake, you know, this facade, you know yeah. what I mean? So be you, they'll love you for it, you know, and, and allow them to be them. You don't want to clone, you don't want to be a clone, you know, just em embrace that individuality. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I guess for me, I have I have two that are on top of my head. One is that you know, laughter is important. Um, yes. You have to have humor in your in your marriage. You have to have humor in your lives together, in your daily lives. I mean, we all know how busy we get, and we know we all know you know how upsetting certain days are. But if we can find humor in the little things with each other, I think it helps. You know, basically get closer with each other and, and, you know, make everything just a little bit easier. I mean, can you imagine spending 
the rest of your life with someone without knowing how to make them laugh. It would just be kind of you know, a little a little sad. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is that um, I think open communication is is very important. Um, you know, we have to be able to speak to one another without judgment. We have to be yeah. able to be honest with each other about, you know, where we are, how we're feeling, how a certain day went, so that, you know, we can properly support each other too. Um, it's very important that we can be honest with each other and we feel that, you know, there's nothing that's holding us back because they're going to judge us or anything like that. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely um, open communication. Yeah. Those are so good. Um, I think I would say don't take everything personally. I know, I know that sounds really counterintuitive because it's marriage, but um, marriage is just work. It's hard. We're learning how to love another person selflessly. That's not going to be easy. And I know I'm a big proponent. Part of my master's degree was done working with assessments, personal assessments, because like when Aaron and I took ours, we are polar opposites. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is why. So it's been really good to know the first year of our marriage because so much of what we fight over and what causes conflict is is not a personal thing. It's just we're different people. Like you were saying, respect the individuality. I love now that he is so different from me because he's helped me to become stronger in so many different areas of my life. Um, but part of that is just taking the personal aspect of it. Be gracious with yourself and with each other. It's work. You're going to have to keep working at it. But laugh along the way. Yes. Aaron, I always say, is the only person who can make me furious and laugh at the exact same time. So frustrating. Yeah, that's good. Um, what do you think is the biggest struggle that you've seen maybe in your relationship or that you've seen in other people's relationship that struggle to, to maybe stay connected or things that would try to creep in? Yeah. And divide couples. What? What, what I've seen, I guess, or actually, the longer you get to know some somebody, or the longer, you, the the more time you spend with them, you you tend to drift, or you run the risk of drifting, right? So, I think that whereas you don't just be, you know, you don't embrace only, or you don't only embrace their individuality, but you get kind of involved in their lives. You know, yeah. you be a part of each other's individuality. You know, maybe one of you. You know, your idea of relaxation is to, you know, go out and run or drive around and look at architecture or whatever. And then somebody else's, you know, idea of relaxation is to lay on the on the couch and just read a magazine or, or to watch a, a, a series of shows, right? So I would say my recommendation is to, you know, join that person in, in that thing that makes them, you know, th their interest, what makes yeah. them that person, you know? So if you're... You know, you know, pitch in. Watch, sit, sit on the show, sit on, sit on the couch with that one person and <laughs> watch the show. Not just like one episode, but maybe the whole season, season three, right? Um, maybe they'll catch you up on season one and season two, and you won't have to watch season four because <laughs> season three bored you to tears. But you know, but be involved. Do what that yeah. person you know likes and be a part of that. You know, kind of yep. prevent that. 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 You know, That's good. So, as Christine was saying, we have a three-year-old and 11-month-old, so we don't have the time to Netflix and chill. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what, for us, the big thing is to make sure we're on the same page. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, from the time, you know, I get home from work and she's been running around all day with the kids and they've tore up the house and done all this other stuff. She's more probably stressed and tired than I am at that point. So having that expectation of what I'm going to take care of when I get home, what she's going to get to do, what, you know, kind of that balance and how we, you know, navigate that day to day and hour to hour until we get the kids in bed finally. Um, you know, having that expectation is very, very stress releasing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it lets you have those, that, that free will and that free reign to kind of go do your own stuff and have your individuality because you know the other person's taking care of stuff that day. Um, and then those little spontaneous moments that you get throughout that night and throughout the day, you kind of, you have the freedom to do that because you know everything else is planned, everything else is taken care of, and you don't have that worry and that, that kind of daily hourly stress as you would normally. Um, yes, depends on the person for, for me. Um, I have some really good days at work. Other days get very frustrating, stressful. Um, generally 30 minutes to an hour, you know, kind of have to take that time to decompress. Um, sometimes that 30 minutes, she's just holding Aria or just, yeah. So we both have to have that. I need to, if she's going to be watching the kids that afternoon, then I need to take them and give her that little bit of free time. But so. Yeah. So in case you can't hear it, yeah, what he's asking or what we're talking about there is, yeah, just that time when you come home to kind of de-stress, yeah, to kind of get out of work mindset and, and that. And so it does take that time. And I think, yeah, what you guys are talking about there is it's that balance of helping one another, you know, being there to support one another. You know, if you need that extra 30 minutes to kind of, you know, let go of the stress of work and all of those things, and, and then to be engaged with the family there and everything, yeah. I was gonna say with that, you know, we, um, which you might remember the actual name of the principal, but one of the books that we've read, Emotionally Healthy Leader, talks about, um, there's actually a spiritual principle there of building in gaps. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I can't remember the name of the principle, but basically between between things, and you know what those things are, but when you're moving even between from one meeting to another, to make sure you don't bring this meeting into that meeting or this into that, you create a little space there for yourself. And so I was just sharing with a couple this week in a session we had that um, I've noticed since I've been working full time that at the end of the day, I never thought I'd be an afternoon workout person ever, but I now look forward to going to work out before I go home because it creates that stress relief for me before I walk in the door. So when I walk in the door, I've left everything behind me and I have a little space. So I think that's totally valid. Um, I was going to say, I think, um, I think a couple things came to mind. One is just intentionality. Um, healthy relationships don't happen on accident. The movies want you to think that, but I'm telling you, it doesn't happen. 
um, you you have to be intentional about building a healthy relationship. If you're looking for a job, you don't sit at home and wait for the phone to ring. You go out and you do the work. And so if you want a healthy marriage, you've got to be willing to do the work and you need to be intentional about making that a priority in your life. And I think um, a lot of the people that we know, a lot of our friends whose marriages have failed, they just slid and started allowing other things to become more important. They just weren't intentional. And it can be anything. I love hearing like the seasons of life of, hey, right now we have little kids. What's intentional for us is to know who's doing what and have really clear expectations. That's wise. And as we've been out of the diaper stage for a while, for us it is. It's not allowing our teenagers or our kids growing commitments to overtake our commitments and making sure that we're intentional about putting each other first. And so um, I think that and the other thing that came to mind was just making sure you're not living, doing your marriage alone. Have wise, be careful, have wise couples who you walk with. Because sometimes you get in this mindset, you think, man, our marriage stinks and my husband's the worst. And then you, you get in an, around another couple and you're like, that's perfectly normal. This is what marriage is like. I'm freaking out over this. And it really is just a normal thing. So make sure you have wise people to walk with. I love that. Can we give them a hand? Um, thank you guys so much for sharing yep, your stories. We appreciate it. And so I want to take a moment and I just want to encourage you with what you've heard here. I'm, I'm not going to preach as, normal, as long as I normally do, but I just want us to open up scripture and really understand what God is talking about with marriage and just want to leave you with one thought as it pertains to marriage. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you this morning to turn to Song of Solomon and we're going to start reading at chapter 8, um, verse 6. And if you didn't bring a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and it's on page 326. And we just want to read this verse together. In case you don't know, Song of Solomon is this love poem that was written by a guy named King Solomon um, to a young maiden that he was pursuing and that he was in love with. And so you see this beautiful poem that's written, this beautiful literature that God gives us of the love that exists between a man and a woman that we see in the context of this relationship. And what I love about this, it's really honest. It's really practical. We see Solomon verbally affirming um, the person that he loves, the person that he's going to marry. This book is very practical. It talks about the physical love between a man and a woman. And sex is in the Bible. It's talked about here in this book. And, you know, that was controversial at times. Like, does this really belong in God's word, but this is a gift from God. We see this, but it's not only about a physical love, but it's about this pursuit that we see in marriage. The marriage is when one individual, when these two people come together and they begin to lay aside their desires and their wants. And so many times we get this idea that marriage is getting what I want Marriage is someone else meeting the needs in my life. Marriage means, you know, that, that I have someone else or I get this feeling right or everything seems romantic. And yet in the book of Song of Solomon, we get this picture of love and marriage being this idea of faithfulness. And so let's look at this. Song of Solomon chapter eight, verse six says this, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy as fierce as the grave. It flashes as flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all of the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. What is this writer talking about? What is it that he's trying to communicate? Well, that picture that he give us, gives us love 
marriage, this idea of this commitment with one another, it's like a seal that's placed upon our arm or upon our heart. And when I thought about that, just thinking about what a seal is, it, it just expresses this idea of faithfulness. Love means that you're faithful, that you're committed. Love does not mean that you're always going to have butterflies in your stomach. It doesn't mean that your Prince Charming is always going to ride up on a white horse and rescue you. That's not what we see. Love is this faithfulness and this commitment that we see. This idea of a seal, I thought, oh, it's kind of like we get tattoos. I've never gotten one because I'm afraid of how much it'll hurt. But when you get a tattoo, there's a permanency there, isn't it? Like hopefully you chose well because you're stuck with it now for the rest of your life. And that's this image that we see that this writer is giving. Hey, it's like a seal that's upon my arm or upon my heart. It's not going away. It's not fading, but it's something that is going to last. This love and this commitment with another individual, it is going to last and it's going to stand the test of time. And that's what he's asking for. That's what he wants. That love is this commitment between two people towards one another. I can remember being in pre-marriage counseling over 20 years ago. And I had the privilege of my parents. My dad was the one who was officiating our wedding. And so he was talking to us and I don't remember everything he said. I can't remember all the advice that he gave me. But one thing that stuck with me is when he looked at me and he said, Aaron and Sarah, don't let divorce be an option. Take it off the table right at the start. Don't ever let it enter the discussion. And that stuck with me and Sarah, we made that commitment that, hey, we're never going to entertain that idea in our mind. We're never going to let that come into our relationship, this idea of separation or divorce. We just didn't want that to be a part of our marriage. And so I knew I'm stuck with her for the rest of my life, okay? Not getting out of this one. And so I made this decision of, hey, I don't want to just survive and kind of get to the end of this. I want this to be great because we're not gonna get away from each other. Like, I, I want this to really be working and I wanna still love Sarah. I wanna still be pursuing her after 10, after 20, after 30 years. If, if I live that long, I want someone that I enjoy being with, this faithfulness of love, this commitment. We decided to say, hey, we're gonna work at this because we're not giving up on this marriage. We're not giving up on this relationship. We see this picture of faithfulness, of commitment. It's like a seal that's placed upon your arm or upon your heart, that person that God has given you. Now, let me stop and let me address some of you in the room. You may be here and the enemy may be lying to you in this moment. Maybe you were married at one point, but you've walked through divorce and the enemy would try to condemn you and say, hey, you're a failure. You've missed out on what God wants for your life. And that is not the purpose of this. This whole purpose of this talk that we're expressing this morning is to remind us of God's faithfulness and his love towards us, that he is committed even when relationships break apart, God is faithful in our life. And that's the beauty of the picture of marriage that we see in scripture. God gives us this idea. He said that he is the groom and we as the church, we're like his bride and he's pursued us and he chases after us and he loves us and he gives everything that he is. He's laid down his life for us so that we could see that picture. And church, I truly believe this, that whenever we live this out, we're that reflection to the world around us. We live in a world that desperately needs to see the love of God. In marriages that are strong, marriages where we're loving one another, marriages where God is the center, it's a picture to the world around us of God's faithfulness.